minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Masson All Access podcast from our Masson Web Studio. Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings coming at you live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon or checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hopefully you subscribed to the Masson All Access podcast. Amy, good to see you back up here in person. Uh, it's been another week. Hey, I got some news. We have a tough podcast ahead of us, but did you know today is our 200th episode? I did it, Bobby. Happy 200th episode, 200. Amy. Now, that doesn't include some of the special episodes right. and uh, emergency pods that we've done in the past, but this is our 200th scheduled, routinely, weekly episode and uh, that we posted up later. I'm pretty impressed. That is crazy. So what year, uh, total, like... Ooh, yeah, total. I mean... So what year did you guys start the podcast? I mean, this podcast used to be called the District 34 Podcast with me and Byron Kerr. I think that was 2016 when I started it with him, maybe even 15. No, 16, because Dusty Baker was the manager. So, yeah, this is going on six years now. Um, we weren't as regularly scheduled back then as we have been in the past couple of years. Uh, but still, you know, it was a good, good to see where we've come from to now here and to now where it got to the point where you and I are walking around Nats Park having people say hello to us and tell really us how cool. much. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. I saw that guy again um, uh, over the weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he came up and said hello to me and Mark. On, That's on, always fun, yeah, you so know? It is nice to know that... I wonder if there's anybody who started listening when the podcast first came out and still listens. <sighs> My dad, maybe. <laughs> That's, that might be it. That just might be it. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a Mr. Blanco. obviously a long couple of years. I've got some friends, too, that I listen to. But, yeah, a long couple of years. Very proud of where we've come. Um, happy that we're having our 200th official episode being posted. Um, it's pretty exciting and um, good stuff and more to come, obviously. You know, we're going to continue throughout the offseason, throughout the West of this regular season and uh, we're really excited to bring all the nationals content i'm glad you started forward. with that bobby why because it's, it's that's some good some news positive good news yeah you're you're you got me in a little bit of a better spirit before this podcast I, we've got to be honest it's has not been great news for the nationals ever since the good news that we started off with last week of kate cavalli's major league debut remember we were sitting right here when it was announced that cavalli would actually be mm -hmm. making that start on friday at nationals park that was a great pod uh, excitement, you know, there was a reason to look forward to the last month of Nationals baseball with Cade probably taking the ball every fifth day. He goes out. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the outing itself, but I mean, given everything that's transpired over the past 24 hours, it's, I, I, I mean, it's worth noting, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not worth the big deal as much as the news that came down that Cavalli will land on the 15-day injury list. He'll be shut down for two weeks now um, after dealing with some soreness and right shoulder inflammation after his start. Cause of concern, level of concern for you, Amy. Um, having seen Cavalli pitch on Friday and then now hearing this news that he'll be shut down. I mean, and as far as his actual outing is concerned, we talked about it last week. We couldn't get, you know, you can't have too high of expectations. He's making his major league debut. That's the big headline. That's the big news. Something to be excited about. Seven runs on six hits and only going, what, four and a third? Mm -hmm. Wasn't exactly, I think, what Nationals fans hoped for. But, you know, that part aside, he made his debut. That's exciting. 
the fact that he made his debut and the next day <laughs> is experiencing shoulder soreness, what turned out to be inflammation, nothing structurally wrong, which is good news as far yeah. as good news it goes. Um, but that's really alarming and it, it's a little bit concerning. I mean, I know obviously the Nationals couldn't have predicted this and if they would have, they wouldn't have brought him up, but mm-hmm. that can't happen. Yeah. Like your top pitching prospect, Kate Cavalli, cannot make his debut and land on the 15 day just days later. Yeah. If you're looking back at his start, first off, the the seven runs over four and a third, that that his final line doesn't tell the whole story. Seven earned runs charged to him on oh, six hits, two walks. He hit three batters, which was kind of surprising. He did say that he had trouble gripping the ball, especially on his changeup and curveball. Um, we saw him messing around with the dirt and the rosin bag a lot. Um, so he did hit three batters, which was the amount he hit over his last seven outings plus maybe with Rochester, uh, but it struck out six. So that was encouraging to see, but you look back at the starting for those who watched, you know, there was a throwing error in the top of the first that led to an eventual run. There right. was a double play that wasn't turned, uh, in the fifth, I believe uh, that ended up be costing him the rest of the outing. So yes, he put himself in some bad situations with the walks and the hit batters and some of the hard contact, but he didn't get a lot of help behind him, too. So take that seven exactly. runs with a grain of salt, um, I guess. But, yeah, you mentioned the injury. I, I guess, so you're concerned about it. I, yes, when every time you see a, a top prospect come up and immediately have to hit the injured list, especially a pitcher, that's obviously calls for concern. I guess the good news, or the way I'm going to be looking at it, is that it is just shoulder inflammation. And you can probably attribute this to him just overexerting himself during his major league debut. We know how much um, emotion and adrenaline goes through at a major league debut. We talked, even without pitcher, we talked about it with CJ Abrams too. You know, guys come up here and it's a lot to handle and you know, they try to maybe do too too much. Um, Cavalli was pumping upper 90s, he threw 99 pitches. Uh, So, you know, it's being a little sore, more sore than usual, probably is to be expected. So the injury itself, necessarily doesn't really concern me because I think there's a reason behind it. We haven't heard from Cade yet. Reporters will probably hear from him on Wednesday um, in the locker room. But I think it's just the sheer volume of injuries to Nationals pitchers, especially the young guys this year, that's been more cause for concern. Three Nationals pitchers prospects have made their major league debuts this year. All three of them are likely to end the season on the injured list. If you talk about Evan Lee earlier in the year and Jackson Tatro earlier in the year as well, now Cade adding to that list, that is more of a cause for concern than Cade's specific injury in my right. mind. Yeah, if it was something like a bigger issue, something structural wrong with his shoulder, right. then, then you'd it's be a, whole a little co- bit more concerned. Right. Just inflammation, soreness. I don't want to say just inflammation and soreness, but yeah, that's way better than some other news that we could have gotten. But I think my issue is that it was interesting before his debut, Davey Martinez really every time he talked about Kate Cavalli, you kind of got the sense that he didn't feel like he was ready. And maybe that's just me mm. reading too much into what he was saying. But I think this was in his pregame press conference before his debut, or maybe the day before. Um, he was like, he checks most of the boxes. Or huh. he has checked most of the boxes. And I was like, that's interesting, because you'd think he'd check all the boxes before he'd make his debut. And the one thing that Davey kept talking about is he has to get the pitch count down. He has to get his pitch count down. And it was his last outing at AAA where he needed 109 pitches to get mm-hmm. through five innings. And that's the last thing Davey Martinez said was like, we've got to get that pitch count down before we bring him up. And then they brought him up. Yeah. And then he needed 99 to get through four and a third. And 99 pitches shouldn't be enough to land you on the IL. But like you said, major league debut, he's more amped up. That's more sh- 99 pitches in your day 
debut is a little bit different than yeah. you know just a regular start at triple a but i think that's like a little bit of the concern is i don't want to say he wasn't ready because you couldn't have seen this coming but like if there were some back boxes that he still needed to check off and the pitch count you know was a major issue that could lead to this easily yeah. you know inflammation you're throwing way too many pitches mm -hmm. every single time out that can lead to inflammation so you know is that part of the issue yeah the 109 the 99 back to back now he did have extra rest in between it was six days in between mm -hmm. he started on a saturday then a friday so it wasn't like a normal, it wasn't short rest. It wasn't a normal five-day rest. So in fact, it was six days. So that maybe kind of, and when he was brought up, Davey did say there are no limits. The, he did not have a limit for him. There was no inning limits or pitch count limit for him. They were going to let him go. Um, and then just the game dictated that he would come out at 99 pitches, four and a third. Um, I think maybe along those lines for me too, the, maybe the more frustrating part is that we did hear all season long, we're going to wait till he's ready. We're going to wait till he's ready. We're being extra cautious with him. There's no need to rush him. And then he immediately gets hurt. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I'm not, there's no, thing, no one to blame for that, really. I'm like, I'm not blaming Mike Rizzo or Davey Martinez. It's, it's, a, it's a freak accident. It happens, right? Especially inflammation, right? It, it's, if this was a ligament thing, shoulder joint, whatever it may be, that's you way different. To, yeah, you yeah. had to And then see that, that could have been, should have. And, and Davey said there was nothing that they saw looking back at his start that suggested that he was hurt or going to get hurt. And he even said that himself. Right. Like, even after his start, he felt fine. It wasn't until the next day where he was throwing yeah so i mean i'm not really pointing a finger at anybody but it is frustrating to hear all year long for months that we're doing this we're waiting out of to make sure one he's ready and two out of caution for him because he is how many times do we hear mike rizzo say he's he's a new pitcher he's new to this stuff so he's not fully ready and then immediately he comes up and gets hurt and like what that's is a frustrating that's that can be very frustrating it's probably for kate as well right and what is going on like evan lee comes up gets hurt jackson tatro comes up gets hurt like there's something is missing here yeah. like if it's just one here or one there but it, there's clearly a pattern here flexor strain for evan lee back in june and his throwing arm uh jackson tatro has been on the aisle since early july with a stretch stress fracture, fracture excuse me of his right scapula uh yeah and then also i mean it's not just the young guys i mean it is concerning you look down even Past Kate Cavalli, Cole Henry is going to have thoracic outlets. Or might he, he's never not pitch already, again. He, he might not. And if he does, he'll probably <laughs> you know, never be the same rate, pitcher. Right. Look at what happened to Will Harris. Look at what's happening to Steven Strasburg. So it's not just these young pitchers. It's even down on the farm as well. And then you go through their injured list. When Cavalli is eventually added, there will be 11 players on the Nationals injured list. Nine of them will be pitchers. And there's a mixed bag between young guys and old guys. You know, you have Mackenzie Gore, who came over from the Padres, already hurt. We'll talk about him and Josiah Gray in a little bit. Uh, then Tetro, Lee. But then you have older guys like Doolittle, Strasburg. Um, you can add Tanneraney as the younger guy if you wanted to. Will Harris. Joe Ross is a veteran at this point. And then of the two position players that are on the injured list, one of them, Carter Keboom, had Tommy John surgery. <laughs> so it's like, what is with the... There's an issue here. I think. I mean, you can't. You can't tell me there's not because we, I have the list right here in front of me. I have the data points that there's an issue here in terms of how these players are getting treated for arms injuries. Yadiel Hernandez is 34 years old. His season ends on a left calf strain. Okay, fine. But with this many people hurt and then being pitchers and then also a position player having an issue throwing the ball, that's a big, way bigger concern for me than just seeing Kay Cavalli go down after one start. Yeah, and the fact that the majority of them 
are younger guys that have come through the system, you know, kind of the older guys or, you know, and Mackenzie Gore, you can't really blame that on the Nationals organization. Right, right. And those older guys, you know, I mean, that's the big league. I mean, that's the major league team staff. You know, that's a little bit different. But all these guys who have come through the national system or like guys like Cole Henry, who is still in the national system, or Jackson Rutledge, who is still at low A because he's had so many injuries True. Uh, through his entire career. Like, there's a bigger issue here. Yeah. You can go got uh, other guys that have landed on the IL this year. Mason Thompson had a bicep strain in his throwing arm. He is pitching at Rochester right now. Hunter Harvey had issues um, in injury history earlier this year. Anibal Sanchez uh, obviously had a rough start. I mean, so it's, it's a variety of things, the underlying uh, common denominator being that they're pitchers. Josh Rogers, when he was here, had issues. Uh, Eric Fetty, Seth Romero just made his first rehab start and now starting at um, uh, uh, Harrisburg for, for the Senators. So it's just like top to bottom, it's an organizational issue right now. And the other, I guess, kind of frustrating thing too is like, and you know, we don't know quite how much has, how much has changed and how much time they need to change, but we talked a little bit over this offseason how they revamped not only the player development side, but like player treatment side, the medical staff. And sure, they probably need more time to get, you know, have their set a system. Right. Yeah. Have a, yeah, set, have their fingerprints all over everyone and, and make sure that they're uh, coming up healthy. But this is not a good start, right? I mean, just the sheer number of injuries to pitchers is eye popping. And. Yeah, it's like like we've had in, we've had the, we've had seasons in the past where the the injury bug just decimated the Nationals. I think I think about like 13, 15, um even parts of early parts of 19, 18 as well. Right. Like years where they were had a good rosters and didn't make a lot of it had to do with a lot of injuries. And, and that's it, fine, but like And at least with most of those injuries you could point to like as far as the pitchers were concerned overuse. In, true, but, in eighteen and nineteen. But my point like. too is that there also was, you know, Anthony Rendon missed a lot of time. Trey Turner true. missed a lot of time. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman in his prime missed a lot of time. Bryce Harper was true. out for a long period of time. So it was kind of even in terms of it wasn't just one position player or pitchers. It was a, the whole group was hurt. This is strictly just pitchers. And the the one thing that you necessarily well, can't necessarily blame on the staff that's here is that they have drafted hurt pitchers for True. you know x amount of years in a row it's to be expected i mean you can't draft players with injury history and then expect it to just poof go away kate cavalli included i mean i think his stuff was in his back i want to mm. say it wasn't um, as not, serious yeah not 100 percent sure not Jason as serious had Tommy not, Dom his, again. not his shoulder yeah um you know jackson rutledge was hurt mm -hmm. yeah all of these guys have injury history so that doesn't just go away i mean you're taking a huge risk when you're drafting pitchers that early but then drafting hurt pitchers that early so right. part of it is you can point it to that because what do you expect i mean it does you they don't just come up and it just goes away and we talk about too the um like yes they've had success in the past of drafting hurt pitchers and developing but there's still always a risk involved in that and and like, if you keep doing it, it's like you're yeah, more likely than not going to have guys not pan out. And when you're going through the Don't. list, like as long as they've had this philosophy of they want to draft and develop pitchers, like who have they developed? Because they didn't really develop Steven Strasburg. I mean, he was Steven Strasburg. Right. I mean, you can point to him, though, because he was a Tommy John guy. And then he turned. He's like, yeah, I think the only one you can say that they've really drafted and developed. I can't remember too much. If Jordan Zimmerman was an, also an injured pitcher when drafted. Um, 
But yeah. You know, like especially in recent years, like they're not developing. I don't think these you guys. can take either. Yeah, they, that, that, no, I, I know they can't. They can't take credit for Lucas Giolito. Right. Um, they can't. I mean, Eric Fetty. I think he was also a TJ guy coming out of um, Las Vegas. Uh, he's had. I mean, he hasn't been great, but. A little he more success. He has had some than... injuries as well, you know, including this year. So yeah, right. you know, you're right. There, there is a track record there, on overall, and that's that. That is a risk you take when you, and you know, we also on the flip side though, you're getting some. It's it's a risk, but it's it's a gamble that if it pays off, you're getting a top level talent For... l- lower than you should have. Right, right? guys fall into you. like Cavalli. Cavalli was one of those guys who was scouted as a top ten prospect. Um, in the 2020 draft, and then because he was a young pitcher, because he had a little bit of an injury history, he fell to 22 to the Nationals, and they took that risk. So far, it's panned out, but then you have stuff like this pop up, and it's just another data point to point to where it's like on both sides. Well, Cavalli has this history, and the Nationals have a history of drafting injured pitchers and then having a tough time developing them. And this is the first time you're getting to see Key Cavalli these past two seasons, last season and this season, only two full seasons Kate Cavalli's ever pitched mm-hmm. you know he was a two-way guy in college his he's still I mean and he has the stuff don't get me wrong Kate Cavalli is really good and hopefully will be really good but you know his arm is just still adapting to pitching and to pitching you know across a whole season we're seeing the same thing with Josiah Gray it's kind of the same conversation it's like where do you kind of limit their innings because they're so new to this or in Josiah Gray's case his first you know whole season yeah uh Kay Cavalli between two years pitching at Oklahoma and keep in mind that the 2020 season was of course cut short because mm-hmm. of uh COVID but he pitched about 84 innings total between his two seasons at Oklahoma pitching and then he jumped up to one, didn't pitch the rest of 2020 of course um except for the alternate training site which we did can't really quantify innings but then he jumped up to 123 last year so that's a major jump from being a new pitcher to basically not pitching in the game situation for over a year to then pitching 123 innings over 123 innings in your first minor league uh season and you know credit where credit is due he flew up the ranks he showed that he had the stuff to play talked about his struggles at double a and triple a when he got there but he got there Mm -hmm. and but that is a lot of innings a lot of pitches being thrown to a guy who was not used to that workload and I'm not saying that they overworked him this year because it's kind of hard to, I mean, he pitched 97 innings so far in Rochester, then the four and the third. So just over 100 innings so far. So he probably would have been on pace to easily eclipse the 123. But you can see, like, the body starts breaking down a little bit. Um, maybe just not used to that workload and that general soreness that comes with throwing that hard that many times throughout the course of the season. And maybe if you the Nationals kind of look back and reevaluate how they've handled Kate Cavalli and his development. Like, I wonder if they think maybe we should have let him in double A for the rest of last year. You know, let him finish mm. the season there, not rushed him to triple A, let him start in Rochester this year and finish the season in yeah. Rochester this year. I wonder if that's kind of going through their head at all. I mean, I know it's hard in his last seven, his starts in Rochester, he had a 147 ERA, 43 strikeouts, and held opponents to a 180 average. Like, it's hard not to bring up a guy like that. Right. But if they're being so careful, like this, with his, so careful with his development, you know, him coming up this season, it didn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So I think that's also part of the, you know, maybe the bad look of it all is the timing of it. Because right. if Cavalli, if he would have 
made his debut in like June or July and this would have happened, then, you know, it could have been as simple as, all right, you know, did too much in his debut, you know, he's still new to pitching, give him a couple of weeks, he'll be back for the end of the season. But now it's like, it's too close to say that he can pitch again this this year. Right. Like it's so close to the end of the season and you're hearing people toss out, well, he'll his season's over after one start. And that's kind of like, I think when people hear and then it's like, oh my God, again, like they're losing another guy to, for the season. It's like, well, it's only one month. And he was only going to make, what, five or six, mm-hmm. seven starts? So uh, it, I think the timing of it, it also plays into the bad news. Because, if, again, if this happened a couple months ago, he still probably could have recovered in time to make have, however many starts he would have made. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. yeah. Like, there's – so he shut down for two weeks. There's five – Yeah, he comes back mid-August or September yeah. like right now. It takes him two weeks to ramp his arm back up. Right. Like. Maybe he'll make one more start before the season's over, but why would you do and that? And then at that point, is it worth it? Yeah. And it kind of like, and so that maybe is a good transition to like, what now do you do with Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray? Mackenzie Gore, like we mentioned on the injured list, was the left elbow issue, not thought to be serious ever since he came over um, from the Padres in the Juan Soto Josh Bell trade. But, you know, he, look, I mean, if, if we're looking at a similar timeline of getting back for Cavalli, like Mackenzie Gore just started throwing has thrown two bullpens and is going to throw one more and maybe a sim game before the nationals consider throwing him out for a major league start that's another week and a half two weeks before that happens so that's cavalli's timeline that's not enough time to get him back out there before october 5th right i think davy martinez kind of has the same like outlook on kate cavalli that he does of mckenzie gore and that he doesn't want to say they're not going to pitch again this year but he he's only saying that because he doesn't want them to like you know lose that confidence or right. lose that work ethic like it's kind of hard you know being like i'm gonna finish the year on the il like yeah. that's it like see you in spring training uh especially for a pitcher so i think and especially for a young pitcher and Cade, but he doesn't want to say that to those guys but i mean they kind of have to be realistic at this point and i think davy martinez might just have to say to mckenzie gore like look it's not worth it yeah. like keep on this routine whatever throw your bullpens but it, it doesn't make sense to to throw you out there and make one maybe two starts before the season's over yeah so let's say that the uh, the nationals place cavalli on the injured list i don't think it'll happen today unless they rush up a reliever they don't have to mm-hmm. i think they'll be tomorrow and they'll recall Corey Abbott to make the start tomorrow um so they'll retroactive it back three days so that'll be Monday so 14 day, 15 days from Monday would be you know September 13th 14th area you have Cavalli what throw a couple of bullpens over the next week I mean you maybe have him throw a sim game rehab mm-hmm. start and then you're in the last week or the second to last week of the season where he maybe makes one, maybe two starts. Right. And that's best case scenario at this point. That is if he is cleared on day 15 to start throwing again and there are no hiccups or nothing goes wrong. And why do that? But I think you kind of had the same, like, why bring him up? Like, it's, I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, why? For what? So, For you, what? Wait, so you're now saying that it wasn't worth bringing him up? I mean, I think it's definitely something that they have to think about, you know? Like, I think in hindsight, though, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that now knowing that he's hurt, but if he wasn't hurt and he was pitching every five days, if he was starting tomorrow... I don't know. I guess it's kind of like what you... I guess what he does, you know, you kind of have to look at what he's able to do. Is it like a similar, you know, line to his debut and every other start, you yeah. know? Like, 
it's just like actual like developmental wise. I mean, mm. I know like in his last seven starts, a 147 ERA, like that shows that, but there's more than just the numbers. And Davey Martinez said that, you know, before they called him up, it's more than just that. Yeah. There's a lot that you have to look at, you know, is he being efficient, which he wasn't efficient in his, in his debut? You know, is he keeping his pitch count down? Is he hitting his spots, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I guess that's fair. I, I, I'm not going to blame them for – I think it was still the right call to bring him up at the time that they did. You know, it, it, service account time, what he was doing at AAA, um, the state of this rotation currently at the major league level, needing something to, like, you know, let's have a good – let's end the season on a positive note. I think that was – I don't blame them for that. I mean, you can't – you don't do that, like, you know, and then expecting him to get hurt, right? Like, that's just – freak accident you know he was supposed to make pitch every five days so i don't think i really necessarily blame them for that again it kind of goes back to the greater idea that you know there's a trend of injured pitchers and, and yeah and i and now he's added to that I, list they obviously didn't expect this to come that he would get you know have shoulder inflammation and soreness but like you have to be really sure that he can finish this the rest of the season pitching every five days like yeah. there well, can't be a little inch of doubt that he's gonna end up on yeah. the IL and Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to, just to that point, I guess, because I was going to to then bring in the Josiah Gray aspect. Like, they're stretching him out and spacing him out to finish the season strong, and they said that that was the plan for Kate as well. Like, he wasn't necessarily going to pitch every five days. They were right. going to try to space out his starts so that he could finish the season. So it's not like he was going to go, you know, they, they would have found ways to space right. him out. And there's, uh, in two weeks, they have another weird two-game series in the middle of the week. They have off days for every Thursday um, to finish the, the, the month of September. So, like, they could have spaced him out pretty – and they had a plan to do that. So, I, just to that point, like we were doing with Josiah Gray, he wouldn't have started every five days. And, I, I'm just doing that, saying that as a generic right. term. But I think the one – and that's one area I think you can give the Nationals credit for is that you, they are now – being careful with Cade Cavalli. I mean, credit to Cade Cavalli for, you know, he had some soreness, you know, coming to them and telling them that, you know, because I think in a lot of scenarios, a guy might just ignore it and, you know, go out there and yeah. make his next start because, you know, he just made his debut. He wants to pitch. He doesn't want to be that guy. So credit to him and credit to the Nationals for immediately shutting him down and not taking any chances and kind of doing the same thing to project, pr protect Josiah Gray and yeah. spacing out his starts and not completely shutting him down, but, you know, spacing out those starts, limiting his innings, um, and hopefully they do the same thing to protect the development of Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, yeah. Cade was, like, just throwing normal, playing catch, just like uh, the day after a start, and he said he felt a little sore, and Jim Hickey told him to stop mm -hmm. and, and go inside. Um, so, yeah, and as they should. He's a top prospect. You can't take any risks. Yeah, there's, yeah. And, you know, like you Kind of the same. There's no, there's no point in risking it at this point. You know, made a start, fine. Let's shut him down. Let's see how he feels. Um, I, I think it is important that we do. I mean, he's not a part of this, you know, direct situation, but he's part of the greater idea that we kind of might have to keep a closer eye on Josiah Gray and see how he finishes this season. Does he finish strong? Does he have solid outings? You know, it doesn't have to be seven shutout every single time. You know, the Nationals might not even want him pitching that much. to right. But he's already on pace to go way beyond his career high in innings for a season that he accrued um, two years ago no, in 2019, pitching for AA and AAA mm -hmm. in the Dodgers system. So you've given everything that's happened to their young pitchers this year at the major league level and on the farm. 
all eyes should be on Josiah Gray every time he takes the ball. And then the days after, too, to make sure that he is okay. He doesn't have to start every five days, space him out, but he should be finishing the season healthy now is priority number one for Josiah Gray and everyone else on this rotation, of course. But like, Especially these young guys that are a part of the future plans. Because God forbid something happened. What what are we going to talk about all offseason? It's like, all right, well, how's Cade feeling? How's Josiah feeling? How's Evan Lee doing? Jackson Tatro? Will Cole Henry ever pitch again? So that just adds to the amount of question marks that we're going to have over this offseason that seem unnecessary as long as they don't push them. Right. And just like a separate point is also like what's going on with Brady House? Like he's another guy that is hurt with – a back injury and we're not hearing anything about it like we didn't hear anything about cole henry until he went on a podcast mm-hmm. and talked about it you know himself it's like i don't know why are we hearing about these things like they're yeah. really big deals yeah. and well i mean someone pointed out looking at the nationals top prospects coming into this season before the trade deadline cavalli brady house cole henry now probably will all finish the season on the injured list. The update on Brady House is I think he told a local paper. No, no, sorry. The manager at Fred uh, Fredericksburg told a local paper this past week that Brady House probably won't play the rest of the season. So he's dealing with that back issue that won't go away. We talked about Cole Henry having thoracic outlet syndrome and having surgery to repair that. And then now Cavalli goes down. So it's likely the Nationals' top three prospects entering this year will not finish the season healthy. And that's a, also a big problem. And then you've got guys added like Mackenzie Gore, who's came in on the injured list. Again, not the Nationals' fault, but then you wonder how can they, you know, go about his rehab. And then, you know, we'll talk about C.J. Ames in a little bit, but it's James <laughs> Woods just missed a game with an like, injury. Yeah, and it's just like, and hopefully, I mean, he's day to day, so hopefully, you know, it doesn't mean, and you know, yeah, but going no, to IL, but it's still something to point out. It's mm-hmm. like. I said before we came on, when it rains, it pours. It just felt like we just kept getting injury after injury news. Um, and it's, I also wonder if it's an issue of, like, are they, like, not identifying these it, these injuries before they're drafting these guys? Like, Brady House is how old? 18? 19 now? probably 19 now. at this point. Like, a, a back injury that, I mean, he hasn't played since what? June, June? 11th. Like, th- th- that's not, I know there was an illness in there. That was the reason he stopped playing at first, but like, this isn't like these aren't veteran guys fighting little injuries in here or nagging injuries. Like he's yeah. an eighteen or nineteen year old with 19. back issues that he can't finish the season. Yeah. Like, was there something there before they drafted him that they didn't identify, or is this just a part of a greater problem that's happening on in in the farm system? Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, throughout the organization. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's an interesting question, and don't have the answer right now. I mean, I, I'm sure these will all be questions that are going to be asked of Mike Rizzo when he eventually meets with the media for the last time during the regular season. Um, so that'll be interesting to hear. It is, it's a problem. It's eyebrow raising, and it obviously draws a lot of questions, a lot of concerns. Um, and, you know, they've invested so much in this. Re- Look, everyone goes through injuries. Everyone has injuries. Right. But they've invested so much in this rebuild and everything. And then you have these top guys that are supposed to be part of the future going down so early as young players, how can you be confident that they can be long-term veteran major league pieces if they're getting injured in the minor league system or right when they make the majors? It's like, it's, it's definitely concerning. Right. And yeah, that can happen. And, you know, as far as drafting these guys is concerned is like, I get it. Sometimes, you know, you break down an injury. You don't think it's going to be a long-term issue. Okay. You end up drafting the guy, but like, 
consistently year after year and you know that being the issue is it's concerning there's obviously not they're not breaking it down enough they're not you know being i don't know have the foresight to see how these will affect them in the future i don't know but the fact that it's a pattern is the issue it's not one guy it's not two guys it's not three guys it's a pattern yeah, yeah. so level of concern um and the cavalli situation I think his part, as far as his particular injury goes, not very concerned. If all things go well, do you try to get him to pitch again? I don't think. I don't think it's worth it. You don't think it's worth it? I don't think it's. Do you? If all things go well, and he can make, two, and there's a there's a path for him to make two more starts. Any experience he can get is going to be helpful, and, and it helps in this go into the off season on a high note. Right. And, and that's the kind of what Davey alluded to. And also the fact that he's going to be with the Nationals. Like, wherever they go, he's going to go with them. So he's going to be getting major league experience over this last month of the season, being in meetings uh, with Jim Hickey and the other pitchers and catchers, going through game plans, preparation, stuff like that, while also getting treatment. So that is in and of itself helpful. But if he could also, you know, make outings and appearances, even if it's in a sing game, I guess, True. could be helpful mm-hmm. having major league coaches have eyes on you and, and and coach you up i mean so yeah and i think there is something to the point where if there's a way for him not to finish the season on the injured list and even if it's just one i guess i guess my point would be if it's just one start not worth it if there's a path to multiple so he has that kind of like routine you know because that's what he did he's that's what he was robbed of right now he didn't have a routine of going from start to start right so if he's able to make two more starts somehow before the end of the season i would let him go through that yeah. rotation like just once to get that feel for and be a little more sense. ready for next year and if if that doesn't work out then i agree with you then one starts not worth it yeah let's just wait till spring training i think that that's what makes the most sense i think the most concerning part of it is not the injury itself inflammation nothing crazy yes. bad which is good thankful but like the most concerning part is that they had to be really sure that he was going to come up and A, they weren't going to blow his confidence and he was going to get lit up yeah. and B, that he was going to be able to, that he was healthy enough that he could do it like, you know, health wise. Yeah. And that's what's most concerning is that he came up and has, wasn't able to do that. And he did hold his own for, I mean, like I said, the, the final line for his first outing wasn't right. all and his on de- him. Voight didn't help him. His defense behind right. him didn't help yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, he had some nasty stuff for some really nice strikeouts and right. um and, and i think he even got out of the first with a nice double play ball so um yeah um the stuff is there and that's unfortunate that we're not mm-hmm. going to see him for the rest of the season yep. but someone we will be seeing for the rest of the season that we did want to touch on briefly uh, because it is kind of eye-popping as well keep using that phrase mm-hmm. um it was cj abrams and his struggles at the plate now we talked about ever since he was came over to the nationals that this is an obvious upgrade at shortstop but it's going to be a downgrade offensively. Uh, he's hitting below 150. I think it's hitting 149 over his first couple of weeks playing for the Nationals. Um, at times, he does look a little lost up there, way behind some of the major league stuff he's seeing. But the couple of hits he does have, some of them are like, you know, beating out grounders for infield singles. And that's a good sign, you know, seeing him run out balls and, and show that right. speed that he has. Um, but it is a little concerning maybe on a different level that we're not seeing the offensive production because we thought at this point maybe cj would be getting bumped up to the 
higher portion of the lineup, and yesterday he batted ninth. Yeah. He got bumped down. And that was kind of the hope for him, and that's what Davey Martinez said. You know, hopefully by the end of the season we would see him at the top of the lineup, but he was going to start him, you know, towards the middle, um, down a little bit lower as he got adjusted. But I think this is, like, just a case of, I think, I said it when – he first got called up is in most organizations he would have finished the year at triple a mm-hmm. and you're seeing it at the plate True. like he is not ready to hit at the major league level he just yeah. isn't you see it he has seven hits all singles he doesn't have any extra base hits he doesn't have any walks and 13 strikeouts um so far this season and it's he's swinging so much he has like a 56 percent swing rate and he's not making adjustments like pitchers are getting him out on the same pitches every single time they're going down and away and he gets fooled every single time so I think it's just not making those adjustments as the season progresses um, is not what you want to see you want him to see at least making adjustments or at least drawing his walks and being a little bit more patient at the plate and you're not seeing that but you know I think it was kind of to be expected because I think he should have finished the year at AAA. Yeah, he was a 314 hitter in 30 games with a AAA in the Padres system, 290 hitter in eight games at Rochester, nine for 31 with a couple of doubles and a couple of walks and RBIs. And you mentioned that the no extra base hits, no walks. I mean, it's just that is a very, I mean, maybe not the extra base hits, but the walks portion is a very clear indicator that he's just not comfortable Mm -hmm. up there and not seeing pitches as well. So, yeah, you're probably right. In any other situation, he would have finished the season at AAA. Like, if he would have stayed in the Padres, of course, obviously, even with the whole Tati situation, he probably would have finished the season at AAA. So that might be the case. But, you know, the Nationals, from where they are as a organization standpoint, as a major league roster standpoint, you know, they – can't afford to just have him stay at AAA. You know, he's one of your top prospects you got for Juan Soto. He needs to be up here playing every day. And and the defense hasn't faltered. Right. And I think that's why I'm really not too concerned about it. You know, you, you want him up here playing every day. There's really no reason, you know, he's the shortstop of your future. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no reason to, you know, keep him in AAA when he could be up here playing every day, you know, getting used to it. So I don't think you you have to be too concerned. I think this is, you know, kind of what you expect to see. But, like, they have to be working with him. And I'm assuming, you know, obviously that they are. But you have to start to see those adjustments soon or, you know, he's not going to get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think, right. I think that's the, that's the point is, like, if we're not seeing some some sort of improvement in the next couple of weeks, that's even a, a bigger cause for concern. I'm, I'm actually a little more focused on how him and Luis Garcia work. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that was a part of Friday night that kind of got sort of underneath the rug because of the Cavalli debut. But that was the first time they played together in the infield. Um, I think Louie even sat one of the games over the weekend. So they've only had a handful of games together. You can see they're still working on communications. But there is some flash there that, of course, Luis Garcia is much better at second base. C.J. Abrams is a much better shortstop. He can cover the more ground than Luis could, and, and he has a little more athleticism to to make some turns. I thought it was – or some, some double play balls. I thought it was interesting that Davey said that, you know, their one thing they're trying to do is when he's ranging to his left is to spin and throw the ball to first because he's not comfortable doing that, and he keeps trying to throw, like, across his, his body, body, and that's when he gets in trouble. The ball goes a little wild or completely misses mm-hmm. the target. So that's something they're working on for him. But that's, again, an athletic play that – maybe Luis Garcia probably doesn't make. And so watching them together up the middle, I think is going to be more interesting for me moving forward than seeing how C.J. Abrams does at the plate for now. If we're back here in two weeks and he's still hitting below 150, 
Yeah, then that's that's going to be an issue. Yeah, it's yeah, I think you have to focus on their development, both as individuals like, you know, C.J. Abrams being a little bit less aggressive at the plate, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily in the results, but in his plate approach, you can see some progress or them you know, defensively working together. Maybe it's not always the results you want, but you kind of can see the communication and the development there together. So that's kind of it's exciting to see them both out there, the two young, you know, middle infield of the future yeah um you're just gonna have to look at the little glimpses of hope he hit uh five doubles and two homers in 46 games with the padres this year so like it's there it's mm-hmm. possible so it just kind of waiting for it to come hopefully it starts clicking soon the only other problem is is that they're going to be facing tougher competition throughout the month of september like there's this Next pitching this, isn't going to be easy this, this a series is like the easiest it's going to get for the rest of the year because you're right you got the mets Cardinals, Phillies, all in contention. The Orioles are in contention. Uh, Marlins aren't, but the Marlins have whooped up on the Nationals this year. And then Braves and Phillies and Marlins in between there again. Um, and then ending again in New York against the Mets. So <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Um, you're not going to be facing. And and talking about C.J. Amos specifically, like those two series against the Marlins, that starting pitching staff is nasty. Right. And you're going up against guys like Sandy Alcantara again. Like that's going to be tough for a young hitter like cj abrams to face a couple of times over those two series so it's not gonna get easier but any sort of progress we see from mm-hmm. now to the end of the season will be a good sign for cj and it's really only up from here for cj abrams That's true. i mean you he can't i don't want to say can't do like can't get too down on him right. he's, he's not like he's he just looks a little bit lost and I don't think it can really get a whole lot worse. I think so that's good news. We both want to see just the more patience. Right. There. Like don't press too much, mm-hmm. you, especially now you're, you're hitting ninth. Like there's no, you're not like up the top of the lineup expected to get on base, expected to like drive in runs. You're hitting ninth right now. There's literally no pressure on you right now. Kind of relax and, and see what you can and do. And I liked what Davey said. Look like for your pitch. I just keep telling him like I hit, one whatever <laughs> you know my rookie year yeah. with the Cubs so you know you're good don't press um you know everybody kind of goes through this you're gonna be all right yeah yeah all right well before we get out of here you and I did make a trip to Fredericksburg last week talked with some of the prospects uh you talked with Trey Lipsicum and James Wood I also talked to Wood and then also Jackson Rutledge we've got that coverage coming on Mass on All Access and on the massinsports.com uh, and the Masson app coming up this week but amy you talked to lipsicum like i mentioned um for a little bit you got a package on him that we're actually going to play uh right now yeah so trey's hitting 295 at fredericksburg he's a kid he's a local kid uh from from frederick county went to urbana high for anybody who's familiar with maryland school so i kind of talked about you know being back close to home his parents don't have to drive down to knoxville tennessee where he went to college to see him play anymore and trey's kind of an interesting guy because he was blocked for his first three years of college at third base two former draft picks there that were taken before him it wasn't he didn't get the starting job until his senior year and he kind of just went completely off so we kind of talked about you know how he was ready to produce when his time time came and you know how he's been able to carry that success um, into Fredericksburg low a this year and he's another guy who's swinging a lot and kind of pressing at the plate Uh, so we talk about his aggressive plate approach as well but yeah I caught up with him down at Fredericksburg and here is Trey and I's conversation. I'm joined now by the Nationals third round draft pick this year Trey Lipscomb. Trey thanks so much for joining me. Yeah thank you guys for having me. Trey I know that getting drafted by any major league team is super exciting but is there an extra level of excitement getting picked by a team that is so close to where you're from in Frederick County? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely fun. Um, like you said, uh, any team that drafts me I was just fortunate enough to get the call but 
it being the Nationals, I was extremely fortunate because it was close to home and all the affiliates are really close. And my family, they don't have to make the seven-hour drive to Knoxville anymore. It's kind of just a two-hour drive down here. Speaking of Knoxville, you played the last four years at Tennessee where you put up crazy numbers your senior year, but your first three years there, you were kind of blocked by two guys at their base who were both former draft picks. So what did you learn about yourself in that time as you had to be a little bit patient? And how were you prepared to produce when your time came? Uh, like you said, it was a key word, patience. Um, I'm a big faith guy. And um, sometimes, I, I mean, not sometimes, but all the time I would go to bed just praying like, what does God want me to do? What does he want me to do in this situation? And I asked for patience. And I, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for because he gave me three years of some hard patience. Um, but he just gave me a bigger, a bigger platform to share my story. And I think all in all, it helped me out. Trey, you finished top five in almost all offensive categories in the SEC this past season. But have you had to make any adjustments to your swing or your approach now that you're in pro ball? Uh, I mean, not really. I'm um, just still going out there. Like you said, it's still the it's still the same game of baseball. I'm um, just going out there and just having fun um, and just doing what got you here because ultimately that's what got you the chance to play in pro ball, so why change it? You've had a really aggressive approach at the plate so far this season. What kind of led to that and how is it working for you? Uh, I'd say it was working pretty good. Um, these last couple of games has been just a little bit testing, like maybe I need to lay off these few pitches. But overall, I like to go up there and I like to swing the bat. So at the end of the day, I'm going to go up there and just do my thing and swing the bat. Defensively at third base, what are you most focused on improving? Uh, just my footwork. Um, obviously, I needed to improve tremendously. And as the scouts and everybody was asking me, what do you want to improve on in the offseason? It was just getting my footwork better. Um, and I feel like I've been able to do that with the guys here, such as Aggie and uh, Jaime, who have really helped me out a lot. Off the field, what should Nationals fans know about Trey as a person? Uh, I'm a really, I like to be outdoors. Um, I like to paint um, and music. So those three things are not just one thing, but three things that are just my favorite things to do off the field. And have you found time to paint since you've been in Fredericksburg? Uh, I have not, but in Knoxville, I actually have like this wall full of like, maybe like 10, 12 canvases, um, just album covers that I like to paint. And my sister, she likes to paint too, and she kind of got me into it. So she, she ultimately, she started the wall uh, for me, but I've, I've added to it since. So do you have paintings on your wall here? I do not. We're in, we're in a hotel right down the road, so it's kind of hard. But when I go back to Knoxville, I'm sure I'll add a few more. No room for paintings here in a hotel, Trey. All right, Trey, well, thank you so much for your time, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you, guys. So that was Trey Lipscomb, the Nationals' third-round draft pick this year. You kind of heard some fun things there at the end. He likes to paint. He said he had stuff all over his wall in his apartment in Knoxville. He can't do that here because they're staying in a hotel, but <laughs> that'll be a name that you hear a little bit more um, as the season goes on and the years goes on. I also caught up with James Wood, the Nationals' number three overall prospect down there in Fredericksburg, and you talked to um, Jackson Rutledge. Yeah, I'll have Jackson Rutledge's interview coming up on Mass and Alexis later this week as well as an article on MassInSports.com, and then also a separate article from your piece on Wood coming up, talking about his relations to the D.C. area, going to high school at St. John's, and growing up here, going to Nationals games. So that was pretty interesting talking to those guys as well. Fredericksburg is about to win their league. Uh, they've got a four-and-a-half game head start in their uh, division in the South Atlantic League. So that's pretty exciting if you have a chance to go down there. Yeah. First of all, the facility is beautiful. Beautiful It's stadium. a major league operation in a minor league size park it's really cool uh everything state-of-the-art brand new a lot of space uh beautiful field beautiful park uh easy to get to i thought it would take a long i mean it was an hour and a half from dc but like it's just straight down 95 easy yep. so it's very nice facility if you're in the area or just want to see one of the 
some of the Nats' top prospects in recent draft picks playing some good baseball. Head down there. I think Yarlan Susana starting tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that should be exciting to watch. Yeah, the Fred Nats are, are an exciting team uh, if you're going to keep up with Nationals prospects over the next couple of years because they've got some legit talent down there. Yeah, a lot of talent down there. Your chance to see some of the guys that the Nationals got mm-hmm. back in that Juan Soto trade, like you mentioned, Susana starting tonight. So, And he is another huge guy. Huge Saw him guy. While I was down there. Same thing with James Woods. 6-7 interviewing him yep. was a neat trick. So uh, a lot of talent down there in awesome stadium what they're able to do with their broadcast their yeah. in-game stuff everything it is really awesome yeah and they get good crowds too so like fredericksburg it, it, it's not like middle of nowhere like that's a nice mm-hmm. like area and town around there. there's plenty of restaurants bars shopping everything to do so it's like it's you can make a day of it if you're going down to see a fred nats game uh, maybe over the weekend um yeah so keep a lookout for all that stuff um amy's got packages on mass and all access coming over the next couple of weeks I've got one coming. We've got some more articles on MassInSports.com and, of course, coverage of the Major League team alongside Mark Zuckerman. Uh, at Bobby underscore Blanco for myself on Twitter, at Amy Jennings News for Amy. Masson Nationals across the board on social media. Thanks to Tim Leonard for producing this show and to Paul Mancano and Brendan Mortensen for their help behind the scenes. We'll be back next week. See you then.